Hello and welcome to a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. My name is Hope Ellen, the host of this podcast, and today we're talking all about your life with an ACA. To help me with that, I am joined by some fantastic guests who are now going to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about their roles. Let's start with you. Yeah, sure. So I'm Zoe. I'm part of the ICAW Early Careers team. So I'm not an ICAW Chartered Accountant, but I speak to lots of students about the different career options open to them um, and those that are interested in accounting or finance. Wonderful. Next. Um, I'm Sunny and I am currently the chair of the Chartered Accountant Student Society of London and my daytime job is a corporate taxation advisor. Fantastic. And last but not least. Hi, I'm Abby. I am an ACA Chartered Accountant and I am the founder and CEO of Elent Financial Education. Brilliant. Some fantastic guests for this episode. Now, I have got a question that you may all think, that's a bit bit obvious, but for those listening and watching at home, it might be something they actually don't know. So what is a Chartered Accountant versus an Accountant? Sunny? So a Chartered Accountant is someone with a Chartered Accountant qualification or what we call a CA. So we would have four ACA people and ACA after our names. And it just means that we've passed the professional accreditation exams to become a Chartered Accountant. And am I right in saying that one of those exams or the qualification is the ACA? Yes. There we go. We're off to a good start. I know what I'm talking about. So tell me more then, what is the ACA qualification? So the ACA qualification is basically 15 exams um, that you sit. Um, And what's special about the ACA qualification is it's kind of like a business qualification. In certificate level, you get to learn about law, tax, um, financial modeling, financial management, um, all that sort of stuff, like business skills almost to help you as an accountant, but also in the wider business world. Thank you for that. Now, Abby, 15 exams, as mentioned there by Sunny, sounds quite extensive. How long does it take to complete the qualification? It can take as long as you like, um, really. So a lot of people do it in um, the big four, and you can take that within a set time limit that they set you. Um, I actually did mine in industry, so I worked in the Rossi Magazine industry, and I did it over four years, which is considered longer than other people. Um, But really, it just depends on how fast you want to do it, really. On average, it's three to five, so smack bang in the middle there with four. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you mentioned the big four. For those who might not know, what what is that? So the big four is EY, PwC, KPMG and Deloitte, and it's the top four accounting firms in the world. But it's probably not correct to call them accounting firms because they do more than just accounting. They do tax, consulting, advisory, the whole shebang. Now, from a personal level, I'd like to know why Sunny and Abby chose to do the ACA. What was it that appealed to you and you thought, yeah, actually, I want to go and become a chartered accountant. Abby? I started off the very, very first job of my career in practice. So in what we kind of think of as accountants when we hear about accountants doing tax returns and payroll and things like that. And my boss was an ICAW member and I really respected him. And when he gave me the option of what qualification I wanted to choose, I obviously chose the one that he was doing because I wanted to be like that, like him, effectively. That was what led my decision, really. So it was kind of a, a role model for you? Definitely, yeah. Sunny, what about your experience? 
Oh, so it's, it's quite a varied one. So I actually joined EY as a school leaver. So I joined EY when I was 19 without going to uni. And the reason I did that was because when I was at school, I actually started a small business of my own. And everything that I learned at school, I like to apply to a business scenario. So I, I can kind of have hands-on uh, approaches to my education. And I just felt like the apprenticeship way of learning from the ACA where you were both studying the ACA and learning in your physical job was the best way to learn for me. But also, you know, my business could only get as big as a certain point until I realized, wow, I might need more knowledge here. And to that extent, I thought, okay, well, surely the ACA is the path that I want to go down because I'm really passionate about businesses, but I want to learn more. There's, there's a lot that I don't know. You know, you're not going to be taught taxes when you're 17 or 16. You're not going to be taught law. And it's really difficult. It's, it's not something that you can find online very easily without knowing the things either. Zoe, if there are people like Sonny's position where he was a school leaver, do they need to have anything before they can do the ACA? No, so we always say the, like the typical route for a school leaver, um, finish finish what you're doing, finish school school first. Um, typically, the, the employers that we work with, they look ideally for three um, A levels, so A, a grades A to C, um, but always check with the employer because we work with over 6,000 employers. They all have different requirements. So, yeah, always double check the, the, the description and ask if, if you're not sure. And do you need to have those qualifications you mentioned A to C? Do they need to be in a specific area, like business maybe? No. So you can go straight from uh, from school, so finish school first, um, just because I know there's a lot of eager beavers out there that like to, <laughs> to start. But, yeah, finish studying first and then, yeah, do your GCSEs. Um, you could do A-levels. I think, Sunny, you mentioned about doing uh, – you can do B-tech as well. Yeah, so th there's really a range of – qualifications that are accepted um, for employers at least for example even with EY they're actually CV blind and they ask for like you said um, three A levels A to C um, or equivalent um, but because they're CV blind they don't actually look at what levels you've got but they've got five to six mm -hmm. interview stages and they have spent a ton of money on these interview stages and the year I did it, at least, it was the same interview stages as they give to the grads. And, you know, these are, like, global employers. They have a lot of experience, but also a lot of clients with a lot of reputation. So in those interview stages, they will test out what they need from you and what they don't. You know, you don't have to take maths and English because there's maths and English tests. Um, so it's providing that you can pass those tests, obviously, to pass through a certain interview stage. And, of course, you mentioned A to C there, which is nowadays 9 to 4, isn't it? It's been a while since you've done it, Sonny. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that was my experience when I took the, the exams. Of course. But all that information would be online, wouldn't it, if you were applying for a role? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, ICAW, we have a website, which is ICAW Careers. Um, and, yeah, all of the, the requirements are on there. And do you need to have qualifications in a particular area? I mean, if someone really young, wants to be an accountant, but is listening to this thinking, oh, what what um, subject shall I choose? Do they need to do business, maths? Is there anything specific? 
Yeah, so I, I get that all the time. Which What should I choose? Should I do math? Should I do um, accounting and finance? But no, just do something that you're passionate about because you're more likely to succeed in, in that if you've got an interest in it. And then, yeah, I mean, things like business, um, economics, that all of those uh, subjects are going to help. But equally, we've got chartered accountants that have done, like, history, psychology, because they're good at like data analysis and things like that. All of those transferable skills that that can be transferred across to, to this um, industry or sector. So of course, ACA is what you guys love, but what sets it apart, Sunny? So I think what really sets the ACA apart is the exclusivity of it. I mean, a long time ago when the ACA started, it was mostly big four firms or top 10 accounting firms that used to do it and now it's expanded a lot but it it's on the premise that you know it has to be ACA approved so you get actual mentors and the best thing about the ACA is that you're learning at the firm and doing the work whilst you're learning the ACA itself and you're really getting the best mentors in both worlds there and the technical and the actual application side of what you're actually learning but also, you know, I guess compared to other qualifications, it's one of the only ones that actually has a student society. So every individual region has a student society of its own. Like for me, it's Castle or it's the London Student Society, which I'm currently chair of. And we host events, well-being, revision sessions. So, you know, we kind of share the development around to everyone and make sure that you know, in some firms, you might be the only ACA student, for example. Um, so it's fantastic networking, and that's well supported by ACAW as well. And Abby, anything to add to what Sunny just said there? Building on that, I would say, from someone that came from industry, I used to work in the magazine industry, I often was the only ACA in the room, but I still, I loved it because I think the ACA comes with a lot of respect behind it as well. And like you mentioned, network and support. I imagine that when you're doing the exams, you have people to lean on. Is that right, Abby? Yeah, I would say so. Obviously, it depends on your learning provider um, that you take the exams through. But I found the, the support online on the ICAW websites was really, really helpful. There's lots of people online on social as well, um, which I think is really important, especially for the next generation who are using social media as their new search engine. And when you've completed it we've spoken about kind of the steps beforehand and we we may circle back to that but when you have completed the ACA what roles can you go on to do Abby? Limitless um, I suppose for for some people you and especially if you're working in practice or you know your route you could be going from an associate to a senior associate or if you're in industry going from a management accountant possibly to a finance manager um, and you can see that trajectory but I found personally that it gave me the ability to look into starting my own business and become a CEO, or you could be anything really. It doesn't just mean that you would have to become a CFO or a finance director at all. I think that there's just a bit that I wanted to add on there that you briefly glossed over is that, you know, as I said, ACA is a business qualification, but it gives you these skills. But, you know, the actual four, five years that you're doing the ACA it gives you the experience, um, especially if you're working at a big four, you're probably going to have a range of clients or a range of experiences to actually find out what you want to do. So I actually joined, when I joined EY, 
I was working in assurance for financial services and specializing in investment banks because as a 19-year-old, that was all I was interested in, the rise of cryptocurrency. And then I realized, wow, I actually really like businesses. So I went into corporate tax and that was really easy. But, you know, even easier perhaps after you've qualified and you've got an ACA, but you've had those experiences. I've worked with those teams and gone, that's actually really interesting. I mean, when I was 19 and you told me I was going to go into tax, I'd be like, yeah, you're going to have to drag me like <laughs> by my head. You're joking. <laughs> so on that note then, Sonny, you mentioned the experiences that it provided. Well, what skills has it given you? Um, a lot of skills. I mean, got a CEO here. Um, but, you know, you're mentored by some of the best people in the industry. And it's something that, you know, I say a lot when I'm talking to students is, in my opinion, the people who are earning the most in this industry that you love are probably the partners and the directors of the firms that you're working in, rather than those who may be teaching or just writing the rules itself. Well, but you get you get the experience of both worlds. I mean, I've met a lot of people who worked in the industry who have then wanted to write the IFRS codes or the CTA codes. Um, but, you know, you get fantastic mentorship opportunities off of that um, outside of the firm as well. I'm an ACA student and right now my mentor is the uh, president of the London Society of Chartered Accountants. Um, and I've also met the presidents of ICAW as well. So there's plenty of opportunity. It's just, you know, you're working, you're a student, time is your limiting factor almost. You can do everything under the world um, and everything above that as well once you qualify. Abby, anything to add to that? Well, I would say resilience. Um, I found the exams tough. I won't lie, they 15 and they, they took their toll on me. Um, and I am happy to admit that I did not pass all of them first time. And the heartbreak of when you fail um, definitely taught me a resilience that I didn't have before, that I was so, not desperate, but I was so um, excited to pass that I just kind of picked myself back up and started again and I used that resilience. So 15 exams. How on earth did you prepare for that, Sonny? With a lot of sweat and tears <laughs> um, is the simplest answer. But you get given a question bank, you get given tutors. And for most tuition providers, they offer like this 24-7 like online helping service where like they just put you through to a, to, uh, put a question through to a tutor and they normally give your question back within, you know, a day or a few hours if you message them in working times. So you, you actually do get all the help that you need, I think. Um, and us as a student society, we also organize revision sessions as well because sometimes you just need that knowledge to be said in a different, by a different person or a different way that is explained to you to really make the difference and make that click. And once it clicks, you know, the rest is simple, really. But, you know, do the question bank, um, do it a lot of times. Is that the same? Yeah, I'm actually dyslexic, so I had to find lots of new ways um, because whilst I honestly thought the ACA would just be entirely numbers, it's not. There are a lot of words and you have to answer in full words and full sentences even. And I found I had to be a bit creative. So I used to um, voice record a lot of the um, revision sessions and the learnings. And 
even um, record myself kind of explaining topics and send them to friends and we send them to each other um, just to learn in a slightly different way because I'm not very good at the like book, read, highlight, done. I'm, I know everything. Um, but I do agree with the question bank. I think that is the rule of thumb for the ACA, isn't it? If you can do the question bank twice, you can pass, apparently. Twice. <laughs> Abby, were any reasonable adjustments put in place to support you with your dyslexia? Yes, they were. Uh, the ICA was, ICAEW was fantastic. I just sent them my report and I got extra time in all of my exams. Did make some of the exams quite long, <laughs> um, but it was really helpful and I utilised it in every single exam. It was really, really helpful for me particularly. So when it comes to making someone aware that you need some extra support, when do you do that? You would apply for it once you notify um, an ACA provider or helper um, through customer service or directly through your firm. And that gets put onto your record and you'll get extra time applied for every subsequent exam that you book. It's really helpful to know, isn't it? Definitely. When yeah. I was choosing my where I was going to sit my exams as well, I kind of looked into the, like, the accessibility of the venue I was going to as well. As some places, it was just rows and rows of tables, um, but some offer more like smaller rooms and things that you can take the exams in, um, which was a big thing for me, and that's another thing I really enjoyed. So, Zoe, when it comes to someone who wants to do the ACA qualification, yeah. how do they apply? So finish uh, your studies first, um, as I mentioned earlier, and then you need to find an employer because one of the key parts of the ACA qualification is you need practical on-the-job work experience. Um, so yes, you can study um, for the ACA independently, but you can only get so much um, down the line until uh, you need that practical on-the-job work experience. So um, we do have a jobs board, which is um, train.icaw.com. Um, and you've got all of your uh, uh, training vacancies on there. So all of our employers that we work with, which we work with over 6,000, post their vacancies on there. Um, once you find the employer, um, you then start your ACA qualification at the same time. Um, so they quite often fund everything. So give you um, time off to study, pay for all the resources, which is, is great. Um, that takes on average three to five years, which I think we, we uh, mentioned earlier. Um, and then once you've completed that, then, uh, yeah, you are ACA uh, uh, qualified. <laughs> Sunny, anything to add there or Abby? Um, so I, I was just going to say from a graduate or a school leaver point of view, um, most of the jobs that are advertised will, will come with the ACA. They'll automatically sign you on but also anyone who are looking to do the ACA qualification. Have that conversation with your employer first because some employers, if it's a business justification, they will pay for it anyway and they can sign you up for it or you can be the middleman talking to ICAW almost um, and you'll get that expensed. Happy? I would also just add from Zoe's point, in industry, sometimes it works slightly differently. Um, you don't always get full time off. Um, you might have to dip into your holiday but obviously, if you really want to pass your ACA, you'll uh, you'll commit the holiday to it. Um, but yeah, it's just slightly differently between industry and um, practice sometimes. Yeah, every company, 6,000 employers, they're all going to have <laughs> um, be different. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying here that people should do this, but if you complete your qualification with a certain company and then down the line, maybe even 10, 20 years down the line, you want to change company, can you or are you 
tied to them. Sunny? No, so an ACA will be tied to you as an individual. Um, so a lot, a lot of people actually do decide to change companies, change career paths once they finish the ACA, solely because the reason I mentioned previously, which is, you know, um, that time that you have, you know, studying, working, exposes you to a lot of industries, especially in our generation, we're expected to change our careers six times. <laughs> so, you know, it, the ACA sticks with you, providing that you complete the CPD requirements, um, which are just, you know, attending a lot of the um, extra curricular almost activities that ICAW may organize or some other activities which are CPD compliant. And your firm will do it as well if you go into, you know, an accountancy firm. So you mentioned CPD. What is that? That stands for Continued Professional Development. And within this industry, as we all know, there is room for you to develop and, and learn and grow throughout, isn't there? What sort of things does that cover? Yeah, after you've qualified, it's really important to keep up the continued professional development um, around things like ethics and much more. Because it's always changing, isn't it? And we actually have an episode on ethics coming out soon, so keep an eye out for that. I also want to touch on your route, because we mentioned about you being a CEO. We heard about Sunny being a school leaver. So what happened with you? I actually chose to go to university. So um, I chose to go to university and I studied accountancy and banking um, because when I was at school, banking was like the job apparently at the time. Um, (laughs) By the time I left university, I knew that I wanted to be an accountant as I'd done work experience and I'd seen that that was the route I wanted to go down. And I particularly chose like modules, especially in my last few uh, years at university that I knew were going to give me credits towards the ACA to obviously make me exempt from like a couple of the um, certificate level exams. Okay, so does it take longer or shorter depending on what entry level you go in? Maybe that's a question for Zoe. Yeah, so as I mentioned, it takes roughly three to five years, Um, five school leaver, three being um, graduate. But um, as we just mentioned, you do get some credits for uh, prior learning or exemptions, you might have heard of being called, um, which you can get from your university and that um, knocks off the time that it takes. But take that with a pinch of salt. We always say that do do the degree that you want to do. Don't just do it because you get exemptions and the employer that you choose might not necessarily accept those exemptions as well. So you've got to do what's best for you because normally you yeah. excel in things you enjoy, don't you? Exactly. Do what you're passionate about. <laughs> so also throughout this episode, we've spoken about both of you being a little bit different because one of you is practice background one is industry but what does that actually mean Abby? I'll let Sunny cover practice but I have always worked um, mainly in industry so that means when a company's sole job isn't finance really so I worked in the magazine industry and my my role at Hearst was looking after magazines and the revenue behind that Uh, but you could work in any industry you could work in Formula One you could work in events management there's so many different industries and basically any company that needs finance but their role or their full-time job there is not finance that would be considered industry and practice so yeah in practice you're kind of like the acting on the agent of the industry Um, sometimes you're advisors sometimes you're their auditors certainly the big four actually started off as auditors and then um, 
kind of expanded into these other jobs such as advisory consulting um, and tax compliance, as it were. Um, but it's important to note that even then, every single firm is different. Some firms you might qualify within three years, some firms you might qualify within five, even as a school leaver. Um, and what is also different is that you get different specializations. So, you know, for a really big firm, you might get to only specialize in one industry, such as banking or capital markets. But then for smaller firms or regional firms, it might just be ad hoc across multiple industries. Um, so, you know, e even though there's a big difference between practice and industry, every single firm and every single practice firm and every single industry firm will also be different in terms of what they offer. I love that there's so much choice. It's really great, isn't it? Because you can find what works best for you. So let's finish the episode by reflecting and if you've got any kind of final thoughts or feelings that we haven't touched on. Zoe? I should say, like, don't worry about if this is right for you or not um, because there's there's so many possibilities with, with this. Um, I speak to so many students that are kind of worried that they're going to make the wrong choice, but there's no right or wrong route. Um, it's whatever route um, that works for you or uh, that you're passionate about, and then you can maybe find your feet. And we, we were just talking then about the difference between industry versus practice. Maybe you could swap around, and you never know. The next time we do this podcast, <laughs> we'll be talking, and they, they would have changed. Um, but yeah, there's no right or wrong. Sunny? Yeah, I think just to add to Zoe's point, um, I've given a lot of talks to grads and school leavers, and a lot of them come up to me and go, well, what if I'm not sure about what I'm going to do? Mm -hmm. And I would always respond, I would always be worried if you are sure about what you're going to do, because mm -hmm. I was quite sure about what I was going to do at 19 years old. And then I took the complete opposite <laughs> path a few years later down. So, and, you know, like Zoe said, if you are in um, industry, you can always go into practice. If you are in practice, you can always go into industry. And in fact, a lot of people swap around, even mm -hmm. the senior partners and the partners at my firm, they have had a lot of different experiences. They've gone all over the world. And that's what the ACA is there for you to do, is to get you in that place to have those experiences and in a position that you get to have experiences and work with different firms, work on different things and understand the world a lot better. So when you finish the ACA, you might want to do something else. It's clear that it makes you a really rounded person. You've mentioned experiences a lot, Sonny, and I can see that you're grateful for that. Yeah, 100%. There's so many experiences and there's always more that you can sign up to because ICAW, you know, as Abby was mentioning with the CPD, they host a wide range of CPD and a lot of them, you can, you can go whether you're a student or you actually just want that continuous professional development. Um, me and Abby went to a social mobility one recently, for example, um, but there's, there's a lot more. Abby, final notes from you? Oh, I think if I could have told myself something before I started the ACA is that uh, you, everyone's journey is different. You don't have to be an accountant forever. Sorry, not in the, might be in the wrong room, but you don't have to stay an accountant forever, but still use the ACA. I am technically not classed as an accountant in my CEO role, but I use the ACA every single day. So yeah, it looks different to everyone and you're like, we've kind of echoed already that 
it will your life will evolve and it can and the ACA can evolve with it likewise the majority of well certainly a lot of CEOs and CFOs in the FTSE 100 have actually got ICAW qualifications so you can be part of a special gang. <laughs> special sure. gang. <laughs> well, Abby, Sunny and Zoe, thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts. And thank you to you for joining us for this episode. Stay tuned for more coming soon.